Hello, and welcome to season two of Coffee and Code. I'm your host, Ashley Coffee. Coffee and Code is here to help bridge the gap between technology and people through each informative episode. On this show, you'll hear exclusive interviews with experts and innovators in the tech space. No matter your level of expertise or ability, I believe you can be excited, informed, and empowered to learn how the rapidly evolving tech world impacts your daily life. Subscribe to Coffee and Code to be notified when new episodes go live. You can also find me on Twitter at AshleyCoffee underscore and on Instagram at AshleyRCoffee89. Thanks for listening and welcome to Coffee and Code. Hello and welcome to another episode of Coffee and Code. I'm excited to have a guest on the show today. His name is Jonathan Anderson. Jonathan is the co-founder and CEO at CanDo. He loves technology but can't write a line of code. He has a dog named Ronnie, a cat named Winslow, and a husband named Luke. Jonathan is passionate about product-led selling. He has launched services, strategy, operations, and analytics teams at venture-backed SAS startups, including Insight Squared and LaunchDarkly. Prior to startups, Jonathan worked at Bain & Company. Jonathan has an incredible background of experience, and our paths just somehow crossed in this virtual world. But welcome to the show, Jonathan. I'm glad to have you here. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Ashley. And before we kind of dive in, I would like to take a moment just to hear a little bit more about yourself. I love your bio here. It's um, <laughs> it's not the traditional bio, which is why I like it so much. Um, so, so thank you for sharing that. But um, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Jonathan. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm a big I'm a big believer in a <laughs> a, um, a more interesting bio. I think I missed the um, unfortunately the, the dating profile uh, phase. <laughs> I met my husband before the apps were a big deal, so um, <laughs> I this is my I guess my opportunity to <laughs> to get creative under pressure. Um, no, yeah, I um yeah I'm a, a, a part of the um, reason I'm so interested in kind of. Um, can do is as part of the no code space, which is basically for those of us who uh, can't actually code but want to be involved in technology. Um, and a big thing, I'm a big believer in kind of creating things. I've always really enjoyed doing that. And for me, um, creating a startup like Can Do is really about um, well, making a startup, but also making really a UI design tool. So kind of giving the power of creation to a bunch of other folks. Um, so I think for me, it's really, uh, I, I guess if I were to sum up kind of who I am, it's like I, I like making stuff. Um, and so uh, this is really an opportunity to do that. Amazing. And it's really important to constantly be creating and looking for what's the next new innovation and utilizing the skill set that you have to create something new. So can you tell us a little bit more about CanDo? Uh, yeah, I'm happy to. Um, yeah, so CanDo is actually um, a UI builder, uh, which is a fancy way of saying that we help you create uh, little uh, widgets or embeds that you can basically use to um, improve the user experience of a web app or a website. Um, if you think about it like um, a website's basically, or web app is kind of like a house, uh, we're kind of like we make furniture. 
Um, so it's like stuff you can put in your house that will improve, uh, you know, um, how, what it looks like, what it feels like, and, and really just improve the user experience. Um, and what's been kind of fun is that we kind of take this uh, traditionally like developer run activity of like building components or HTML blocks, and we give it over to really non-technical folks. So people like me who are in product or marketing or on the customer team who have a lot of really good ideas for how we can improve the user experience, but don't actually have the technical chops to like make any of that stuff happen. Uh, and so we're trying to wait, make it so easy that like a kid <laughs> can create a component themselves. Yeah. Um, and then use it to improve the user experience. I love that you are empowering others with the tools they need to get from point A to point B, um, which is really exciting. And I want to kind of dig into how you created CanDo. I know um, you founded in, in 2018. So can you talk us through mm-hmm. a little bit more about the creation of CanDo and what that looked like? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a winding a winding path, as it were. Um, I think the insight for CanDo really came out of um, actually uh, not something work-related. It was actually building my wedding website with, um, with Wix. Oh, wow. Um, That's amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, it's just it's just such an easy platform to use and it's, you know, you, you take a button, you drag it onto the canvas. Uh, it's just a really great way to, um, you know, build something. And uh, really looking at that, like kind of WYSIWYG technology or WYSIWYG stands for what you see is what you get. Um, as in you get to create the, the GUI, um, the graphical user interface. And I was like, hold on, this is so easy. Why in the world don't we have this at work? Like, why am I going through engineering and, and product decisions and design when really I'm just trying to, you know, change an announcement bar um, on the page. Um, and so that was kind of the original insight. And then, of course, there's the whole <laughs> work of finding a technical co-founder who's outstanding to work with and, and getting funding and hiring a team and all that jazz. But um, but really, the, the core idea was, um, why don't we have, why don't we apply some of this technology and that's kind of existed in a consumer space and bring it over to, to really the, um, uh, how does it fit into the enterprise? Wow, that's incredible. And what a great time to be in this space too. I mean, I I read a McKinsey report recently and talks about how what happened in three months when the pandemic hit would have otherwise taken seven years um, in like the normal timeline, which is just wild conceptually to think about. Yeah, we're, um, (laughs) I think we're, we're at the kind of the, I say like a, we're, we were kind of, I think, lucky in a sense in that, I guess, you know, luck is, is trying to be at the right space at the right time. Right. Um, but yeah, we, we thankfully were part of this, like no code, um, I guess rebirth or kind of this willingness for development teams to kind of give away some of their Legos as it were to, to non-technical teams. And at the same time, um, we're there's another trend that's happening in the world, which is, we call it like product led growth or product led selling. Um, and it's really just that consumers like all of us have such high expectations for how a product should work based on, you know, Netflix apps and TikTok and all these other things. <laughs> and uh, we expect more from um, the apps that we use for work. Um, and so we're kind of lucky in that we're kind of at the, um, Candy was kind of at the, at the focal point of kind of these two uh, trends in the market. Wow. Wow. And I noticed that you have a very interesting kind of like background that led you here. But I'm curious, did you ever have that aha moment where you're like, I know this exact, this is exactly what I want to do or kind of what was that? <laughs> Talk me through that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, um, I mean, 
to be honest, starting a company is such a crazy thing. I, I don't think I really understood how much work it would be. That's, that's how, like, how stressful it would be um, when I first got in, involved. I think I, I grew up in Silicon Valley and kind of marinated in that um, the ethos of that for too long. Yeah. And so it seemed like a normal thing to do. It is not. Um, <laughs> but I think I was kind of one of those people who was like, okay, I, I think I want to be a founder. I think I really enjoy it. I would really enjoy it. And then I kind of worked looking for an idea. Um, and I actually did something where I kind of came up with a, an idea a day for a year, um, which is what I could do, which is like a really crazy thing to do. And also like not actually that helpful. Cause if you think about it, I think the best ideas come out of actually things that you were doing at work or in your life where you're like, Oh, this is a problem I want to solve. Um, but it was kind of fun to just kind of be in that generative mind space for a long time. Um, even if that's not really where the idea ultimately came from, I just had a bunch of travel ideas, of which I have no, <laughs> I have no business being in the travel business, but, um, that's where my, <laughs> that's where my mind goes, at least in a brainstorm. So, um, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not that's sure that's amazing. an aha moment, but that's the truth. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's amazing that you did an idea a day for an entire year. That takes some, some true discipline. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm, I mean, I think if there's people who meditate every day, that seems much harder to me than just coming up with a crazy idea a day. But, um, you know, it's each her own, you know, so true, true. I am one of those people I will I use the calm app. It's super mm. This is not an endorsement or a paid <laughs> advertisement. But it's a great app because it keeps me consistent for, for the most part. So good. It's so good. I have mm-hmm. tried and failed to meditate on a regular basis a lot of times, but you know, hey, the, the startup is launched. So, you know, at least that part worked. Yeah. And also I will, I will close the loop there with adding that there's no such thing as a wrong meditation. You're, mm. you're showing up for yourself. There we go. Thank um, you for Brit- deepening my practice. I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate it. You're so welcome. <laughs> well, um, let's go back to low code, no code. So we kind of uh, dipped our toe a little bit into that. But can you kind of dive in a little bit more and give your best description for listeners who might be might not be familiar? I liked the analogy that you used as like the Legos. That was really mm. good. But kind of like you can talk through the under the hood, what's happening there. Yeah, um, I'd be happy to. So, so no code and low code are, are basically movements that really are. Um, the concept is basically a job that's done traditionally through development, like a technical that requires sort of code, um, is given to someone who cannot. Um, so, low code actually implies that there's um, it's basically a developer, um, for lack of a better term, like a way to kind of speed up the work that they're doing. Um, we can automate a portion of it, or, or we have reusable blocks that are going to use part of it, but you still need a little bit of code to kind of make the thing work as a job. Um, no code implies that the developer is kind of written out of the equation, um, that they're no longer involved, <laughs> that they've been, they've given you the keys to the car and you can, someone else can drive it, um, is the idea. Um, and really, I think no code and low code um, come out of this idea that once you've solved a problem a bunch of times, it's no longer requires someone really smart and technical to think, to think about it anymore. Like we can mm-hmm. let the other uh, rest of us, <laughs> you know, come in and configure it, right? Um, and that's I think a big a big difference. And and I think we're we have a term for it, but we've actually been doing this type of activity for a long time. Um, I mean, there was a time, for example, when like writing an email or sorry, uh, you know, creating an email required code, right? Yes. Uh, and now that's been completely abstracted into this world where you know none of no one hopefully is coding up emails at this point um, <laughs> and time. Uh, so I think the low code, no code, um, I guess. Activities wrapping for a long time, but now we have kind of a more appropriate label for it. Yes, yes, that's that's a really good description, and I want to also reference um, 
something that someone might people might be familiar with the audience is code.org mm-hmm. I, I used to facilitate these um code.org coding boot camps on the national mm-hmm. day of coding when i worked at apple and the curriculum there is basically like no code um <laughs> so you're, you're which is great because you're teaching kids concepts of, of coding of okay mm-hmm. move forward turn left or like mm-hmm. just kind of putting the building blocks there so it's not as overwhelming when you're learning on the on the baseline or just maybe have zero technical knowledge right yeah yeah that's great it's actually i think low code and no code are probably the best ways to teach someone how to code actually yeah because uh, you learn like the how the thing works and then slowly you get deeper and deeper until eventually you're dealing with memory storage and that's you've gone way too far pull back out yeah and it just makes it more approachable right so people get intimidated and say like you know i'm not a coder or like i'm not technical i hear those terms a lot but what really is like it's more about having just the comfortability of learning something new it's okay there's Mm -hmm. there's no there's no dumb question um for this we're all we're learning Mm -hmm. yep 100 percent yeah. Well, um, with CanDo, it's been exploding. I recently saw that um, you recently had a $5 million um, in seed funding um, raised by Two Sigma Ventures. So can we talk more mm-hmm. about the process of, you know, raising that? That's very a stressful position to be in as a founder, building and scaling a product, but also working with funding at the same time. So for those Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs that are maybe listening to the audience, what is something Mm -hmm. that you would give as a piece of advice going through this journey? Uh, Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question. I think, I think probably the most important thing is actually something we already touched on, which is getting really clear on what your problem statement is and then having a thesis that you have that you have conviction in, that you actually, it's actually not a thesis, it's really a belief. Um, so for us, it was that, you know, hey, we should, no code should be brought into the enterprise. We should take no code and we should be using it in building, you know, uh, customer grade applications. And so we're, we're, our flavor is that we're no code for existing products. And we're kind of the first um, flavor to do that. And uh, Tucson Ventures and uh, Charles River Ventures, CRV, uh, we're like, hey, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's something we can get behind. Um, we want to see that in the, we want to see that in the world. We think that that should exist. We have a, um, you've, you taught us something different about how the world ought to be. And now we want to give you the funding to, um, to, to bring a product to market, uh, to see if it sticks. Um, so sorry, I'm, I'm actually describing very specifically, I think the, I'd say like your first kind of institutional money, um, mm-hmm. what that looks like. Um, but yeah, I think, I think the most important thing, honestly, for, for a founder is to get, um, just to get conviction in your own idea when it turns into a belief <laughs> and I'm a very like practical, like rational <laughs> person, but when you're like, Hey, it's crazy to me that this thing is not ex- in, in the world. And if we don't build it, somebody else will, that's yes. a really good time to look for funding. Cause that, 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 that conviction is so contagious. 100%. I could not agree more. And I 100% agree on your statement of figuring out your problem statement. I feel like I see a lot of really excited and really passionate founders or people who want to start a business, but they have the Mm -hmm. hardest time defining what that problem is. And they maybe start the business without that clarity. And then (laughs) six months later to a year or maybe like 10, they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Right, right, right. And I think, I think even to that point, a lot of people talk about this idea of pivoting, right? Um, Hey, we started in this market and we're going to go over here. 
Um, a pivot is actually a really painful process because ideally you're working with a team at this point, or you have a co-founder or you have investors or whatever that you've convinced this is a great idea. And then you're like, actually, I was wrong. <laughs> it's actually, I think maybe the value's over here, but I'm not confident yet. And if you have a problem statement as your North Star, like we're going to solve this problem, pivoting is not hard at all because you're saying, hey, this is a new, a new way of solving the same, the problem that I care about. Um, but if you're kind of starting in with the solution and not with a the problem, then it feels like you're kind of, you know, going back on something. Um, so I think that there's a lot of value in being like, you know what, I may not have found the perfect thing just yet, but I really believe that this problem needs to be solved. Yes. It's kind of like taking two different routes to get to the same location. Your two mm -hmm. options there. That's yeah, yeah, it's really yeah, important. and you think I think you think that the solution's like further along because it feels further along, but it's not. Because uh, your because your solution, no matter how good your slides are, no matter how good your prototype is in Figma or whatever you're building in, it's just wrong. <laughs> you know? It's like it's just wrong, <laughs> and you'll learn that later. You know, as you kind of uh, as people start to use it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious. What are you currently working on at CanDo that you can talk about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm actually, well, I was just actually dog fooding earlier today. Uh, new, one of our new uh, features. Um, we're doing a lot of, um, we do a lot of onboarding pages with CanDo. Okay. Um, it's a, probably our most common uh, use case is kind of the front page of your product. Um, and the reason it's a really good fit for us is because it's, it's usually very content oriented. Um, you know, hey, what should users see first? And it's often just a pain to code because you're often making different variants um, okay, you know, new users see this, returning users see that. Um, and so it's actually a really good fit for an editor, uh, like the, what we have, because it's so easy to um, change things as you learn what works and kind of create things for different audiences. Um, very similar to how you might think of email, but the UI version of that, as oh. it were. Yeah. Um, and the thing I'm really excited about is that we're launching um, a lot more event-driven activity. So Ooh. when users do things in the product, kind of outside of just the can-do dashboard, um, the, the, in real time, the product will change. Um, and so uh, what's cool about that is it gives a sense of like, hey, you're dealing with something that was, you know, a, a great looking product that was built by a developer, which obviously it wasn't, but they don't need to know that. And uh, <laughs> that it feels very responsive to them um, and very interactive. Um, so, I mean, that's the whole name of the game for us is how do we make a product feel, um, you know, uh, fun to use, um, uh, that you get better at the job that you're trying to do by using the product. Um, yes. And I want to compliment you. Whenever I looked at CanDo's website for the first time, it was fun and exciting. I don't may dare I use the term, um, to just kind of browse <laughs> through and kind of see, like, I was quickly able to determine what exactly CanDo is very quickly. You know, I love the videos that you have, especially the front page video. That's the one I watched. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I love the approach that you cultivate to make it fun and approachable without being intimidating. Yeah, I think I'm so glad that you, you enjoyed the video. I had a lot of fun making it. It's, um, I think, um, ultimately, okay, like what is, we're making HTML blocks, you know, we make, we make widgets, yeah. like that's not fun. Um, but actually, no, it's really fun because we're letting someone create things when they couldn't otherwise do that. Um, and so I think selling the sizzle is sometimes important when it comes to, um, trying to change the world in a small way like we are and yeah and also it's really fun to build things and so that should be part of the brand identity for sure that's right creating constantly creating so that mm -hmm. leads me into my next question jonathan what drives your creative inspiration 
Um, yeah, what drives my creative inspiration? That's a great question. Um, I am very much a problem solver type. So I like to like see a problem and then I will kind of fixate on it until I, <laughs> until I figure out a way to fix it, um, which is I, not always actually helpful for starting a company because it's I think that perfectionist streak is you really need to tamper it down um, and do kind of solving first problems first. Um, but for me, I get such a kick out of seeing like beautiful UX design. Um, mm. And I, it's really just like one of those things that like I it, it just makes me happy. Um, I'm actually you actually brought up an amazing app before we talked Calm. Um, they have oh, one yeah. of the best onboarding experiences ever, right? Oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. It levels up as you go. As you said, it kind of, it did change your behavior in a fundamental way. Your life is different now because you were hooked in by this application. Yes, 100%. Uh, I paid the yearly fee and I have no problem with that. Yes, because you're getting value from it because it's changing your life in a meaningfully good way. Um, and you experience, you both, you learned about the value, you realized the value and now you're, you're off and you're going. And so I think seeing all the little, um, finesse and the touches that, for example, the Calm app puts into their onboarding experience, um, that is what I find really inspiring to see. Um, really well thought through (laughs) UI and UX design. Yes. A plus one to that. And I'm curious, did you ever do like art in school? Were you ever an artist, did painting or sculpture or anything? Uh, yeah, I think my creativity is probably more on the writing track. I okay. really enjoy writing, uh, more than more so than other things. Um, I was a, I'm definitely a doodler. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, and then in the working world, I worked briefly at a consulting company, uh, for a couple of years and I made a lot of slides and you know, <laughs> it's a very specific flavor of creativity, but, um, it's very structured and it's very buttoned up, but it is a flavor of it. So give me a, <laughs> give me a Google slide. I'll make it look great. Oh, I love it. That is a very special skill also. I want to just add to that. I have one of my colleagues, he um he he had an experience at at one at one point in his early on in his career and he his background is in like UI UX from Georgia Tech and one of the one of his jobs was specifically making sure this slide decks for this company looked good and mm-hmm. and fun and engaging and Sometimes he teaches me new things, little tips and tricks to make things easier. Um, so it just yeah. blows my mind how much that comes in handy in just everyday life. For sure, for sure. And actually, it's the um, the canvas layout of a of a slide is actually a lot of what we think about when we're creating, trying to make our editor easier to use. Ah. Um, and so actually, there's a little bit of overlap between these um, a lot of these kind of um, like Miro's Fig Jam. Um, and I think Google Slides are, and PowerPoint as well, as well as Keynote do a great job with this, um, kind of teaching us to think visually and to show things visually. And we're trying to apply that same um, concept into actually creating an HTML block uh, that you can use to improve a website. So That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I'm curious, Jonathan, what kind of resources or websites would you have for those listening who want to learn more about you or can do? <laughs> okay, well, they should definitely go to our website. Um, I, <laughs> you brought it up earlier, so I'll, I'll be happy to plug it. Uh, it's can do like you can do it. Uh, and it's C-A-N-D-U uh, dot A-I. Um, and we have this really great uh, creator showcases page where you can see what other no coders have made for their businesses. Um, and there's some really cool stuff there and some really awesome um, stories about folks who have kind of created uh, really cool things. Um, uh, hopefully there's, there's something there that's pretty interesting, uh, at least for the, for the no code group. And then for those folks who are maybe thinking more around like 
founding a company and, and venture. I cannot claim to be an expert on that, but um, a couple of resources um, that might be helpful. Um, I might suggest looking at the mom test, uh, which is a way to basically do customer discovery. Oh, wow. um, and it's a really good time to figure out like, uh, basically the concept is that your mom is always, uh, will always tell you that she loves your idea, but really she could probably never use it. Oh. Uh, it's just a good way to kind of disentangle uh, people who want to be helpful, but won't give you the truth. Ah, that's really to, good. That's really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I found it helpful in my journey. So uh, maybe I'll pay it forward for sure. Nice. What a great tip. And I will be sure to link all of those resources and websites in the show notes for listeners to easily access. Um, but this has been a really great conversation, Jonathan. I am blown away by um, your creativity and how much you've accomplished. And um, before we kind of depart today, is there anything else that you would like to leave us with? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think, I, first of all, this podcast was so fun. I think, I think demystifying tech is like, it's like, I, such, I, I do that in my own life, you know, with my, with my parents all the yeah. time. I think, I feel like you're doing that on a much grander scale. So like, kudos to you, actually. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. And I think in general, like for folks who are first getting, or are kind of, dipping their toes into like the technology space. Um, I think no code is such a great thing to, that exists in the world. And I'm just so glad to be a part of it. Um, it really is um, helping people who feel like they can't do stuff um, to get involved and actually start to create things um, that are meaningful and joyful. And uh, I just love it. So um, yeah, happy to be a part of that. And that's a good note to end on. And thank you so much again for being on the show. Thank you for all who are listening. I hope you learned something new today. Again, I'll be leaking the website to Can Do and the other resources that Jonathan mentioned today. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live. If you enjoyed today's episode of Coffee and Code, share it with a friend. You can also support this podcast by leaving a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and you can also share it on social media. It doesn't matter if you have five or 500 or 5,000 followers, you have influence. And lastly, don't forget to subscribe to be notified when new episodes go live. Thank you so much for listening to Coffee and Code.